When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Guy, Nick Mason's source full of secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Control Store. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then right. I did come up with uh, Nick Mason's source full of secrets. You did, and in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's Is You Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So... Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. It goes up to 1972, with all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never mm. heard, stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you and, know, uh, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. Was he was... <laughs> Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hi, guys. So you're, you're very good friends with Marianne. Uh, I am, yes, uh, which is something that comes up. And um, she's, uh, she was living in Paris for a long time and so we weren't really in touch so much. Um, but she's been back here for a bit and she's been having a very hard time. So I've been actually keeping an eye on her so if you like um over covid trying to check up on her cuz she had it very badly yeah you know hospital and all that but she's um as ever bounced back amazingly and has you know just done this fantastic album but she's still she's still weak obviously she's still a bit weak yeah um but she was very very happy to chat to us and you know which was nice and she's you know she's she's got a lot to say so i just want to explain you um with Marianne this time, not on a, in a separate room, and you're sitting next to her, and you're sort of, and that's how we're going to do the interview. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just she's nicely tucked up with her travel rug, um, <laughs> which we got her actually, and uh, yeah, so I'm just sat with her. We'll just be on the computer, and um, and uh, yeah, just having a, having a bit of a chat. So. Well, what an, what an icon she is. So uh, this is the interview we did. Welcome to the Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. This was great, guys. I, I, it's so great to talk to two guys that have done this. Well, it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. You know, what people forget about Bowie is that he was such a kind man. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. Remember me? I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. To, to get good at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Hello, Marianne. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. Pleasure. I absolutely adore your new album. Oh, thank you. I mean, just some extraordinary readings of poems that I thought I knew, expressed in a way that seems so full of experience. And I suppose it is, really. Excuse me, Guy. You want coffee with me? <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Me too, Guy. 
it's going to be like this. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. Um, but, and and. and and I know we're raging gonna... storm here as well. It's all, it's all very poetic. It's perfect. Yeah. Can I, can I ask how you chose those particular poems? They, I think, I mean, they're not all my favourites, but they are my basic favourites. I really love Keats. I love them all. They are my favourites, yeah. And it just came from school, didn't it? Was it yeah. school that you... I, I, in, uh, in first year sixth form, I was studying it with my English teacher was really good and we were doing 19th century English romantic poetry and so I kept all that in my head all all these years and now came the opportunity because of Warren really Warren Ellis. he didn't really know these poems or understand them properly and there's something you had thoughts about for a long time wasn't yeah it? yes it is it's been a dream we could never have got this past Chris Blackwell. <laughs> oh, really? Chris, who run Island Records? Yes. But, uh, you know, there's, I think now, I think you've made some of the most definitive readings of those particular poems. I can't imagine them. You have. Imagine hearing those in any other way. You know, your life experience seems to really enhance poems like Autumn yeah. or Ode to a Nightingale. Yeah. Or Bridge of Sighs. I mean, Bridge of Sighs. Bridge of Sighs is an extraordinary guy. You know that this idea, yeah. you know, really of a of a woman's death is it. I mean, given what had gone on with COVID last year for you as well. Oh well, yeah, I did nearly die. Yeah. And you had all sorts of other things. Yeah. So Marianne has been through a hell of a lot the last. I'm years. I'm really ill actually. I've got terrible. Arthritis as well. I don't know how I'm sitting there. Really. Your spirit is indomitable as yes. ever. That's fine. <laughs> but you know, you know, and also, you know, I felt that Keats has been an important thing in your life because you did negative capability, didn't you? Which we, I know, as being a phrase that Keats used. That negative. He was talking about Shakespeare. Really? Yes. He was saying what negative capability is is the ability to see one thing from all different angles and express it. And Shakespeare had that in spades. And it was, it was also, and my understanding is that, you know, he was sort of saying, well, an artist can't, doesn't want to know what, how the rainbow is made. He just needs no. to talk about the rainbow in, in an aesthetic fashion. Yeah, exactly. Are we getting a, a, a bit of what you aspire to here, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think so. And I think, you know, when you look at Marianne's life, you know, it, it, it's not, it's hardly, it's not, you can't say she's an actor. You can't say she's a singer or a songwriter. Something much more aesthetic about her whole art is, is her life. Well, that's kind of how I wanted it to be. Well, it certainly has been. When I first really knew about you, I remember as a kid, late night TV, yeah. seeing Girl on a Motorbike. And it was yeah. the raunchiest thing I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life. I was shocked, I tell you. In England, shocked. of course. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know each other? Because, you know, Guy, you're sitting there with me right now in her house. We actually met in Miami in, um, because I'd written a song with um, Alex James for oh, yeah. Marianne. And the only way we could get to a vocal was by flying to Miami 
And um, so I went to Miami and I met Marianne and we, we just really hit it off and became weird when, in fact, I wrote a song with Marianne um, called The Wilder Shores of Love. Which is a lovely song. Uh, on the Vagabond Ways album. Mm. And we've just been friends ever we since. We became very good friends. Yeah. And we have to see each other every now and again. We do. How did you write together? What was the process? I was terrible. I was no, shouting, was... screaming. <laughs> it was pretty punching. much like that, yeah. I'd, well, I do remember where the title came from for, yeah, uh, for was, The Wilder Shores of... From a book. It was a book that we, yeah. you had, The Wilder Shores of Love. But we were talking about Anita, and I asked you what you thought of her boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And you said, well, he seems to take her to the wilder shores of love. That's what she told me. <laughs> I so that's... I said to her, so what is the point... So everything is awesome. What poetic. is the point of Joey? And she said, he takes me to the wilder shores of love. Right. You didn't have to name him. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but really, you two, you and Anita, were, were that was an amazing scene. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what a friendship. I mean, tell, how did you meet? I think we met in Rome. In those days, in the early days, Mick and Keith were really tight. And As in good friends. wanted Mick to go to Rome. He did. You know. Oh, that's nice. What? That's nice. Yeah. And so what year would that have been? Oh, God. 66. Oh, between 66. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she was going out with Brian at the time, or was she? Oh, okay. Well, when I first met her, yes, she was going out with Brian. But then I, I was with them, and so was Mick. We were in Tangier, where, and Brian used to beat her up, and oh. uh, and Anita used to beat him up back. Actually, <laughs> but I guess I wasn't in the room when it happened. Um, Christopher Gibbs. And Mick and me, Christopher said, get out of here. This is not a good scene. And he was right, because the tension in the room with Brian, Keith, Anita, and poor Michael Cooper got so bad. And in the end, Keith is very romantic, of course. Keith just grabbed Anita and took her away. Wow. And they got into his Bentley and drove off leaving Brian in in bits, of course. And of course, then then Anita came between Mick and Keith because the, because of performance when she appeared in that. Yeah. But was it as an actor yourself, did you ever, were you a little bit, that should have been my part? Glad it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Because you were really a stage performer, weren't you? Well, yeah. Yeah. All these things you're saying about my life and my work, are really more applicable to Anita than to me. Oh, that's interesting. Really? Could you explain that a bit? Um, well, to her, what happened if it was real and wasn't on the stage was much more important. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it very hard to describe. But her life was very dramatic. It was, and very important to her. You know? And was that whole... Rolling Stone circle. Is it was it something that was felt like almost a distraction for you at times? Well, yes, of course it did. I couldn't really work at all, and it wasn't enough for me just to live life. I'm afraid. Were you as was that partly? Did, did, did Mick not want you to work? Or no, he was cool. Yeah, 
you know, didn't want the Keith didn't like her to work. Oh, that's interesting. Can you take this off for me? Yes. Because I'm getting hot. Let us know if you get tired, Marianne. No, I'm, I'm all, it's not me, really. It's my, my throat, my lungs. And has it been like that since you came out of, from COVID? COVID, yeah. Oh, have you been vaccinated now? I take oh, it. yes, twice. Oh, good. I mean, you know, natural flow test this morning before I came here. Oh, God. <laughs> Guy, we can't, we can't help be fascinated by those times. And in a way, oh, absolutely. Th- those, yeah. those times, and I can see why I think you're drawn to the romantic poets, Marianne, oh. because, because they had a similar, there was a similar. Well, they sentence. were a much yeah. earlier version of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I always thought there was a thing about that whole 60s world where, with the whole rock and roll thing, was. Basically, you had a load of working class kids <laughs> being able to behave the way those sort of upper class characters had mm. all along, like back in the 18th century. It was to, to basically take drugs century. like Byron or, you know. That's 19th, 19th century. century. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. But did you, you grew up in a commune, though, didn't you? Is that true? I went to school in a convent. No, in a, no, in a commune. A commune. A commune. Oh, right. Which is kind my of, father. Yes. But that's before, because communes are something we associate with that whole sixties. It's nothing. Kind of world, it wasn't yeah. a sixties commune. Yeah. It was a forties commune. What is it? What was it like? It was like um, one of the bad things that happened after COVID is my lungs, my memory, and tiredness. These are the three things uh-huh. that really affect me, and it's an awful drug. Um, I can't remember her name. It's a writer from the 40s, but it really was like a 40s commune. It was a school for integrative social research. That sounds... It doesn't sound like a 60s commune. (laughs) But were they trying, you know, I see what it was like for people to live together in one place as opposed to conventional life. But was it it all, it was all still, was it, it was family units and stuff? No. Oh, it wasn't? Oh, no. It was anybody. Was there a free love about it? No, none. I mean, there might have been. I was really little, you know, I was like six. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's interesting, though, that you started off in what isn't a conventional way. And oh, no, no, it wasn't. And that, My mother didn't like it. Right. She was a ballet dancer, was she not? Was she was a dancer, both kinds. She was in the corps de ballet of Max Reinhardt, and then after the ballet finished, she went on with her partner, Hader, and they played cabaret. <gasps> so she did two kinds of dances. Highbrow and lowbrow. Yes. <laughs> you certainly inherited that then, haven't you? I think yeah. so, yeah. 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 I was never snobby, you know. I don't buy all that. When you were talking about upper class, working yeah, class, yeah. I never bought into that. No, but that's what but that's what the sixties was I know. about. Was thing and I think all that da- no, Anita all that understood yeah. all that. Yeah. Too, but I didn't care. And it, it was a, because there was a, a reason why a lot of those guys in the art in the art like Bailey and Kane and Jagger called themselves by their first names because it was a sort of it was like upper class people did, because before then working class people were just called Alf. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but I mean listen, you're in this amazing scene with the Indica book uh indigo gallery and yeah how i mean that to us is that's just the that was really fascinating yeah yeah and watching yoko and john fall in love that was really fascinating but your husband introduced them or didn't he at the time he did introduce them yeah 
And in the fullness of time, do you think that was a wise move? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I really like Yoko. I like her a lot. She's been terribly kind to me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Do you stay in touch? A bit, yeah. I'm not really very social at all anymore. No one is. It, well, no, it's, yeah, but I'm, I'm too ill to do that. You yeah, because I know because you were very good friends with my ex-wife, Sadie Frost. Oh, yeah. I love Sadie, but I haven't seen her for so long. She's very well. Good. Will you give her my love? I will, I will, I will. Yeah. I think what we what we probably want to know, guys, well, is, is you this... What, you know, you were beginning, you were an actor, maybe, you you know, you're married to this important gallery person. And then you meet Mick. And, you know, I know... My life turned upside down for four years. It was only four years. I'm glad. I mean, I don't regret it. Yeah. But it was difficult. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of putting it. Yeah. But that thing of just being at the absolute epicentre of... You know, swinging London because you. Well, I, I, mean, I never realised. What were that. you doing for you? You'd been singing in sort of folk clubs before you went to the the momentous party where you yeah. met Andrew. The House of the Rising Sun. Tell me, I don't know about the meeting of Andrew. It was a party. It was Adrian Poster's launching party, and um, I went with John and Peter Asher actually, and uh, and there at the party was Andrew Oldham, Mick, and Keith. And probably Brian, I don't remember. And apart from that, was it a good party? <laughs> it was all right, yeah. <laughs> what I was really interested in, because I was really hungry, was the food. <laughs> it was great food. Yeah, of course, you forget that. When you're a young, starving artist, yeah. uh, actually food features oh, quite heavily. So really good. That yeah. was a gig. It was great. There was tons of sandwiches backstage. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote their first song, did they? Didn't Andrew lock them in a room, Mick and Keith, and said, Yeah, yeah. As tears go by. Well, oh, that's the song they wrote when they were locked in the room, yeah. Was it meant to be for you from the start, or was it for, for them? You know, musicians always do that. You know, this one's for you, baby. When <laughs> 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 they want to see you. I've got a song. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you told me. It was for me, and I've always believed that. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It's a strange song. In that case, you are responsible for the Jagger Richards songwriting partnership. No. Well, if you think about it, that's the first song they wrote. You started this. Yeah. Well, Andrew (laughs) needed a song. Yeah. For me, that's all. Well, then you did. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Bother (laughs) it. But it's a funny song, isn't it? Because it's not really a song lyrically for a young girl to be singing. It feels like... a very odd song for a 17-year-old girl to be singing. Actually, I was older than that. Sorry. I was 19. A big girl, 19. Oh. Because I thought you were only 16 when you met. No, no. I was 17 when I married John. Then I was 18 when I had Nicholas. Then I left John, took Nicholas, went off with Mick, and I was 19. But that's extraordinarily young to get married. Mm. Everybody. Well, I suppose back then it was much more, uh, was it? Well, I was pregnant. Well, I dare say you were. But... Yes, shotgun. <laughs> Is that what it was? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we forget that that stuff was all, you know, much more important, wasn't it? I, I think what we, what we, what we don't realise, because everybody in rock and roll now is all ages. Yeah. That there's that, and you know, you go to a festival like Glastonbury, and it's every age there. 
Mm-hmm. And what you and I never experienced, Guy, because yeah. we are the generation after, is the sense of revolution that it yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. It was all being made up. I remember that very well. It was that we were making it up as we went along. Like when we saw Bowie or Jagger or Tazo or whoever turn 40 or whatever, it was like no one had ever seen a rock star turn 40. Like, what, <laughs> what do they do? Well, they'd um, seen Elvis. They, yeah, they, well, that's true. Well, he didn't get part past he, he died. We never thought 40. they were going to be on stage at 75. No. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We were just discussing that Tangiers trip. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that where Cecil Beaton Yes. Yeah. See, I told you. What was he like? Because he was the generation before you guys, and he was the bright young things. And in a way, you were the, you were the new bright young things, weren't you? Yeah. I liked him. And obviously Mick liked him because he was in love with him. Um, yeah, everyone. He, he was great. Well, um, was there a feeling of being... No. You don't know what I was going to say. I know what you were going to say. Passing the battle. No, I wasn't going to say that. What? No, I was going to say more. Wasn't there a a, a, a rejection of that sort of previous generation? Not really. No. no. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I told you. Didn't All you? of my respect. Oh, sir. good. Yeah, well, I'm very glad to hear it. We did. Marianne, was it? A, did you ever have a moment where you thought, "Damn, I wish I'd never done that music because I really wanted just to be an actor." Yeah, I had those moments. But, you know, I did so many different things. Now, Gary just reminded me. Yeah. um, And I didn't know this, because I remember years ago, you played me a Roger Waters demo of a song that you were going to do, Mm. which I didn't know was about Sid Barrett. I think it was. Yeah, what what was it called? It was Um, called... um, um, A Flower Child. Incarceration. Incarceration of a Flower Child. Great song. Yeah. It is a great song. I listened to it recently and it's 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 about obviously it's about Sid Barrett. It's very Roger Waters melody. Yeah. But um but it could ease, it, it feels like it could also be about your own life in a way, you know. It's oh, talking And he knows that. Yeah. Yeah. He's very clever, old Roger. You 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 played one of the characters in the wall, didn't you? When you yeah, were, well, I didn't do it well. Oh really? I played the mother. I was really bad. Yeah, well, the mother's got to be deeply unpleasant. Well, I was, yeah. <laughs> Marianne, I don't, I don't, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. Because, but what's interesting when you yeah. read your story, yeah, you know, is is when it says about you being on the streets in Soho and homeless and all of that yeah, period yeah. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you look back on that for you for you now? Is it a, still with I great, it was or is a great it... way thing to do? Actually, 
and the street people looked after me and nobody knew my address. And I, it was my statement, really, of coming out of that world with the stone and an ether. Yes, the opposite of that. Yeah. Very strong kind of fuck you all thing. Yeah. Well, actually, talking about no one knowing your address, he might have, because Gary actually has Brian Epstein's address book, which has your phone yeah, number no, in no, it. No, 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 <laughs> no. Not no, on the wall. I, I, I did, but I did. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um because no, I just think there's also, you know, you, you're interested in, in sort of cabaret, um, like Kurt Vile and, and Trippany Opera and... From my mother, from my course, parents, yeah. you know. I had that sort of family. In fact, the last thing I saw you in was, was at, at the Barbican was... Uh, what was it? Richard Strange was in it. Yeah. And what was, what was it? What was it? Did oh. you play the devil or God? Or I played one of them? the devil. You played the devil very, very well. Thank you. Um, what was that? That I was like a Weimar remember. type thing. Yeah, but it wasn't. But I can't remember what. This is it great. Was. She was in it. I saw it. None of us. Neither yeah. of us know what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was at the Barbican, anyway. Marvelous. It was. Yeah. We should just talk. We should talk about your kind of that great album you made, if you don't mind, Marianne. Marianne is with Broken English. Okay. That I remember. Yeah. That made that really was a big thing in our scene. You know, going to the Blitz Club where I we went. You know, I started going. Met, met I went to the yes, with Anita. I do, I remember. You know, when I first went in there, the music they were playing was sort of Kraftwerk, Nina Hagen, Gina yeah. X, and Broken English. Yeah. That album was on the deck. We were dancing to that because it had an electronica about it, didn't it? Yeah, totally. I was listening to it on the way here, and it was and because it was it it completely brought you into that generation. Yeah. Totally. I'm so glad. It was almost like the sort of run up to nightclubbing by Grace Jones. It was that you know it was like yeah, well, it was sort of at the same but time. brutal. I mean, yeah. we've never heard such language on a record, Marianne. But also, Marianne, you know your first. One of your first albums, you made two at the beginning. One, one was a folk album, and that had Down the Sally Gardens by Yates on it. Uh, and I also did readings on that album of um, uh, 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 Full Fathom Five. Oh, yes, yes. And I did the Jabberwocky from Lewis Carroll, Alex. But but no, I just you know there's there's definitely a, a, a symmetry in your life, a, a through line, and and I'm and glad it, you see it. I don't. It's like at the moment, you know, having to take this whole flat apart and give away all my books, and I, I feel like such a failure. I can't. Well, well, I, I think that would that you might feel that if you hadn't have just made what I just said to you earlier is an incredible piece of work. Genu- I'm really proud of it. You know, at the same time as that, my life is falling apart, and I, I've lost my health. It's terrible. Can we change the subject? Yes. I can't do much more. That's all right, baby. Do you want to stop? Yeah. Do you want to stop? Yeah. I do. It's getting tired. I, I can't go on. No, it's, it's fine. Don't long. worry. Don't worry. It's all right. You're done. So I felt I felt sort of guilty in some of those, uh, in some moments during that guide that we were sort of bothering her. But I, I you know, because she's obviously, you know, a little weak. And, um, but she really wanted to do this. She did really want to do it. I mean, she made it clear to me that she was, you know, she said, I won't be able to do all that long and I'll get tired. But yeah, she was perfectly happy. And it was nice. I, I stayed, had a, you know, a nice cup of tea with her afterwards. She was... But it was quite emotional, I thought, towards the yes. end. 
Yes, it was. Well, and it's uh, it's nice because you clearly really understood her poetry record, you know, which is great. Um, which is also doing very, very well by all accounts, um, having spoken to her about it. And so that's really nice. Well, I do. And I think it's a really powerful piece of work. And I think anyone who hasn't heard it should, uh, should download or buy now. Um, anyway, thank you uh, for listening to this episode. Uh, we will be here next week and uh, we need your support. And thank you for all of that. Absolutely. So it's good night from me. And it's good night from those two on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs>